Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. I went to the eye doctor the other day. And weird things happen every time I go in to the eye doctor. My eyes do weird stuff. And they said, well, Ray, you're in the 50 club. That's going to be part of it. It's where it gets, starts going. And I'm like, okay. So my doctor said, well, according to your prescription, your prescriptions are right, but you need to swap left to right on your lenses. I'm like, what? And so we swapped them. I said, but I got a blur in this one. And she goes, go with the blur. I'm like, You realize I'm going to tell my friends that my eye doctor said, go with the blur. That makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. She goes, no, you're, you're, this blurs, you're seeing closer with this one. You're seeing further with this one. And your brain does this weird thing that it puts them together and it balances them out. And it'll, it'll train your eyes to, it won't strain them. It's okay, whatever. But for years, I'd never go to the eye doctor. I didn't go to any doctor's. I hated doctors and you medical people looking at me. I see you right now. I can see you back there. Like, what? What's wrong with doctors? <laughs> for the longest time, I wore those drugstore glasses that I thought worked right for me, you know, and I, well, that looks okay. So I'll read with it and all that. But when you don't know your, your eyesight, your prescription, you end up doing more damage because you're trying to do it your own way. One day I... I finally decided to go to the doctor. I got tired of wearing glasses all the time. I, I guess I wanted to wear sunglasses because my eyes are super sensitive to the light because they're, they're light-colored eyes. And I went to the eye doctor for the first time a number of years ago, and when they finally put the lenses in, my world, it suddenly became 3D. You know, like when you go to the movies, you go to the regular movie, and it's okay, but you go to the 3D movie, and it's like, whoa! You feel like you can touch stuff? That's the way my world suddenly turned and I couldn't believe how good everything looked. I was freaking out. I remember looking at the the eye doctor's computer monitor just going, "Whoa, you know." And she's like, she called some other doctors in, "You got to check this guy out. He's tripping on me in here." But they were excited to see this guy that thought he could see, but he couldn't, but now suddenly he can. And they were there to watch my reactions. I'm like going around touching stuff like that's that far away. That's this far away. And uh, I don't know if just quickie in there. uh, I went blind that time when I had an eye injury. Some of y'all remember I was blind for three days. Well, then when my eyesight came back, I didn't have my depth perception. And I remember going to a restaurant with a friend of mine and I went to grab the doorknob to open it and I missed. I I missed the I literally went like that. I'm like, oh my gosh. And I'm like, I my depth perception was gone again and I literally missed grabbing the doorknob. And then I reminded I was reminded of when I went and had my eyes checked and then I could see. I'm like, wow, this is so much better. But then I got that reminder, this is how you were. You're like you're missing things. So um When my vision was restored back to me, I didn't know how bad my vision was. I was shocked at the comparison. 
And that's nice to have a before and after snapshot of who you were than who you became so that you go, man, look how different this is. So I I didn't understand that doctors and medical people are actually really good people. They're not out to get you. Oh, they're coming at me with needles. and They're going to stick me out. Only. No, they're not out to get you. They're out to help you. And I had to get that perspective about doctors, but I didn't know how bad off I was and until I had that before and after hit me, that comparison. So suddenly I had a renewed opinion about, about doctors, and this is the same with the Israelite tribe of Judah. They had run away from God for years, and they ended up doing what they thought was best for themselves, but it only cost them more damage. But then they suffered for a while. I suffered for a while in bad eyesight. They suffered for, uh, I don't know, 70 years in Babylonian captivity. And they finally came back to God. And so God restored them back. They're back in their land. And now here in the book of Ezra, they are getting a renewed understanding of who God is. He's not out to get them. He's out to save them. And that's what they were finally getting in this story in Ezra. So now let's go into Ezra 7, verse 1. Father, be with me in this. Lord, uh, it's, it's your word, not mine. Holy Spirit, it's your understanding, not mine. All I have is the mouth, and not even that's mine. I'm just up here talking. So I ask you for the understanding and what goes beyond my ability to speak. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Ezra 7, verse 1. Now after these things... In the reign of Artaxerxes, king of Persia, Ezra, the son of Sariah, the son of Azariah, the son of Hilkiah, the son of Shalom, the son of Zadok, the son of Ahitub, the son of Amariah, the son of Azariah, the son of Marioth, the son of Zerahiah, the son of Uzi, the son of Bukai, the son of Abushua, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the chief priest. Y'all thought I was going to bomb that, didn't you? Just push it. That's all you can do. Okay. Oh, got past that. Okay. Verse 6. This Ezra came up from Babylon, and he was a skilled scribe in the law of Moses, which the Lord God of Israel had given. The king granted him all his request according to the hand of the Lord his God upon him. Very important statement right there. The king didn't grant him all his requests because Ezra was real slick and experienced and awesome. And I've been doing this and I'm so smart and I'm just real good. It was because of one reason. It was because of the Lord God. If you ever get in a position in a job where you're really good at what you do, do not start bragging about how great you are. It's because God is giving you favor to put you in front of people that need to hear about the Lord. Don't let it go to your head. Okay? This was according to the Lord God. Now, this is when the masses returned again, and so many Jews began to come back to their land, and it was during the reign of King Artaxerxes. And there where it says, after these things, there in verse 1, it says, after these things. This means 57 or some odd years have passed since we were in chapter 6, the previous chapter. We've advanced a lot of years now. And... We just took a massive jump. So remember King Darius, he decreed for them, you can go and you finish your temple, but he has now died at this time, and his son Xerxes then took over the throne for 20 years after him. But then now this guy's son, Artaxerxes, we're now at the grandson of uh, Darius, 
Artaxerxes ruled for 40 years. So we have this gap here, a big gap of time. Also, the gap between Ezra 6 and 7 is when the events of the book of Esther took place. So if you've got a chronological Bible, you'll probably have the book of Esther stuck between Ezra 6 and 7. So there's a lot of time went through here. So with this list of names that was just put here, that was to show us Ezra's direct lineage all the way back to Aaron the priest who served alongside of Moses. When the Bible gives a long list of names, there's a reason for that. It's to prove the validity of what Ezra was doing. He was a called man for this stuff, okay? It was to authenticate his authority to teach. There would be a lot of people, Ezra, who do you think you are coming here, moving us back this way and telling us this, what to do and all? Hey, he's got the line. He has the, the, the priestly line. And so also the reason this ancestral line is given to us is to show us that no one can destroy God's covenant promises. God says, I'm going to keep a line of priests. I'm going to keep a line of kings. That's going to end up all coming together on Jesus Christ, our king priest, when he comes to reign in Jerusalem. It's very important that we understand that lines are never broken. When God says, I will keep something, he keeps it together. Okay. So these people here, the people of Judah, they had been held captive away from their homes for decades. They've been going through a period of time getting the temple rebuilt. But because they've been held away from their home as captives, that does not mean that God's promises are undone. God had begun the process of restoration for the Jews. Not only did he bring them back, but he also restored each tribe's land of inheritance as well as the priestly line. Just because God seems like he's gone for a while, or maybe you're gone for a while, that doesn't mean that any promise he's ever given you that he's going to revoke or take it back or break it, okay? We can see that in the story here. God's keeping it. In fact, in recent history still today, the nation of Israel has been restored, was restored as a nation as far recent as 1948. I know people that were alive in 1948 that probably remember the day when Israel was recognized as a nation all over again. The Jews are back in the land again. I've been there. I've seen them. They're there. They're speaking Hebrew. As a matter of fact, their, their money, uh, their ancient money is still the shekel. I've got, a, I've got a shekel right here. I think this is 20 shekels uh, from the land of Israel. This is a literal miracle in my hand, the fact that a shekel still exists thousands of years later after what we're reading. It's shekels right here. It's a miracle of God. You want to look at it? You can look at a miracle of God here, or you can look at me. I'm a miracle. You can look at yourself in the mirror. You're a miracle of God, too. But it, God has everything still there. The Israelites are still there. They're digging up stuff that proves the Jews lived there. I remember riding through Israel somewhere. There was like a, a grocery store or something, and they cut the corner of the parking lot out, and they were digging down, and there was an ancient city under there. And it was Jewish. You can't say that that's not their land. Oh, they, that was never their land. They're digging thousands of years ago that they were there. It's theirs. God keeps his promises with his people. So what we still have yet to see again yet, though, as I'd mentioned, is the temple with Messiah Jesus in it, a son of King David on the throne, also a priest, and that's still coming yet. But isn't it amazing how the Lord God keeps his covenant promises? You could not trust that you would really be saved or not if God did not show us a track record 
of keeping covenant promises. And the reason all this was given to us, the line all the way to Ezra, look at what he's doing. People are coming back. God's trying to show you, look, you can trust me when I say I'm going to do something, I'll do it. No matter what comes down, I'll make it happen, okay? So take comfort in that. But in order for the Lord to get his people trained back up in the covenant promise that that he had made for them in the past, it was required for a man skilled in the law to teach it back into them. They had lost it. They had gotten away from the word of God. It's a bad place to be. Getting away from the word of God is a terrible way way to go. They needed this guy, Ezra, of the line. He had the authority. He had the lineage to teach it back into them, right? Ezra was able to get whatever he wanted from Artaxerxes, which shows us that God's authority is even above kings and leaders. He's not called the king of kings for nothing. He moved Artaxerxes to give him whatever he wanted to facilitate whatever God wanted for his people to have. So the Jews are coming back. They're going to receive the law. They got a good teacher to give it to them. And they also are going to get whatever provision they needed to be able to repopulate the land again. Friends, we serve a God of restoration. It's a not, this ain't just for the Jews. This is for you. Okay? It's in the book. So we can read it so we can go, well, if he can do it for them, he can do it for me. Right? I know you lost a lot. I know the enemy has stolen things from you that you wish you had back. The Lord God can bring it back, especially if he promised it. Such a good story. Ezra 7, verse 7, some of the children of Israel, the priests, the Levites, the singers, the gatekeepers, and the Nethanim came up to Jerusalem in the seventh year of King Artaxerxes. And Ezra came to Jerusalem in the fifth month, which was in the seventh year of the king. On the first day of the first month, he began his journey from Babylon. And on the first day of the fifth month, he came to Jerusalem according to the good hand of his God upon him. Notice it doesn't say according to Artaxerxes. It was according to his God, verse 10. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it. Big one. And to do it and to teach statutes and ordinances in Israel. Okay, that trip back from the captivity, it took the Jews four months to do that. That is not an easy trip to make. If I asked you to travel somewhere that was going to take you four months to get there, you better decide up front you are all in, okay? That's not no light thing. You better take what you need. You better be ready. You're going to have to expect provision from the Lord God to make a trip like that. So I want you to take notice. It says the good hand of the Lord was upon him, and everybody loves that part. Everybody wants that. I want the good hand of the Lord God on me. You got our whole culture saying that. They want God's hand on them. But you have to look at what's after that to find out how he got it, to find out why the Lord was with him. Look at verse 10. It says, why did he have the provision? It says, because Ezra had prepared in his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach it. Okay, this wasn't, God, give me what I need, give me what I want. Okay, thank you. He had a prerequisite action on his part that he had to do up front. Okay? Seek it, do it, teach it. Seek it, do it, teach it. And that is why the Lord God provided for him. If you want God's blessing in your life, then you need to decide in your heart that I'm going to seek the Lord God in his word 
and I'm going to do what it says, and I'm going to teach other people. Not until you do that can you say, oh, Lord, just bless my socks off, like everybody's doing today. You got everybody, oh, Lord, God, give me, give me, give me, and it's all for them. It's all about their prestige, and they don't really care to do what God says at all. Did you know that most people that say they're Christian, they do not read God's Word? There's something deathly wrong with that. There's something deceptive about that. James 1 commands us to listen to God's Word and do it. I just want to tell you, wherever you're at in your walk, I don't know. If you're not studying God's Word, you're in trouble. And you've got things ahead of you. You're probably in things now. And you're trying to figure it out. I, and I don't know what to do. Oh, am I, Have you read God's Word? Have you pursued to see how He looks out and provides for you and how He'll do things for you and to build that faith up to pray in Him for an answer? No. Have you read God's Word? No. Well, no wonder you're in the mess you're in. I, I'm just blunt blunt with people about that. I don't know how to I don't know how to fix your situation if you're not going to do what it takes to get there. Here's the equation. Ezra decided, I'm going to get in God's word. I'm going to do what it says. I'm going to teach the people. And God says, okay, I'm going to provide for you. You want that? There's the equation right there. That's how you live life, okay? So Ezra made a firm decision. I'm going to he's going to dedicate himself, do what it says, teach it, and God provided. Now, I want us to be extremely aware of the reason why the Jews were dragged away from their land in the first place. Why they got in all that trouble. Okay, we talked about 70 years of captivity. The Babylonians took them off. Why did that happen? It happened because they strayed away from God's word. That's the reason the whole thing started in the first place, if we happen to forget about it. Most Christians today that don't read the Word of God, they are astray, and it brings trouble. And they're so fixated on their trouble, and they can't figure out what's going on, how do I get out of it? They'll do anything but pursue God. They'll do anything but decide, you know what, I think I need to pursue the Lord. They look at God as nothing more than just religious tradition, something to do on Sunday. Guys, this isn't religious tradition. This is life. You know, there's coming a day one day when the United States will not exist anymore. We won't have our little traditions. We won't have our TV sets and our video games. We're going to have us and the Lord God, if you're saved, or condemnation if you reject him. That's that's going to be it. And if you won't bow the knee to God now, when will you ever? See, might as well get used to it. This life is a blank. You weren't guaranteed tomorrow. So I'd say get in God's word and see what he does about it. So Ezra, the book of Ezra is emphasizing to us the fact that since the people are starting to come back, that they were given up front a dedicated teacher to retrain them back up in God's word. That's the first thing they needed when they got in town, is you need a good teacher to put the word of God back into you, because that's why you got dragged off in the first place, is because you strayed away from God's word. You stopped doing what it said. You started going by the way, hey, here's how I think of things. This is the way I'd rather do it. And I, I find it amazing when I talk about the Bible to people and they go, well, I don't agree with that. Are you a Christian? Yes. Do you believe everything in God's word? Yes. Then look at it right there. Well, I don't believe that. It's right there in front of them. I showed a guy something he disagreed with in the Bible the other day. He goes, I'll have to pray about that. Well, at least he said that much pray about it. It was right there. He didn't want to talk about it. Well, I'm going to pr- I'll pray about it. Spiritualize it and leave. Black and white. 
rejecting the word of God. I told him, I said, friend, do you realize you're rejecting the word of God? He goes, no, I'm not. I said, read it again. And he read it. Well, I don't know. People do this. It's thick in here in the head. They had to have a teacher to retrain them back up in God's word. And I'm sure Ezra had his guys like that, too. I don't believe that. Hey, you want to go back to captivity? No. Well, here's the word. I, it, the reason I get so bent up about this is because I was that guy. God had to break me bad to get me out of that. Thank God he did, but I didn't enjoy it. God restores. Yes, he does, but he does it through his word. Because his word guides us and it commands us how to live life God's way. You cannot live your life on your terms and ask God to bless that. Doesn't work. You got to know his way. When God restores, he restores those who obey him. And to obey him, you got to know what he expects. How do you know what he expects? You got to read the book. The idea that you can be a Christian, but you never have to study God's Word, that is a huge deception that will land you in major trouble. Those that don't read God's Word, Satan finds as easy targets. He can plink you off with a BB gun, and you're down. Because these people have no clue how to walk righteously. So if you want God's provision, it is downright mandatory that you get under God's Word. Read His Word. Read his word, read it, speak it, think it, do it, and believe it. Prepare your heart today. When I leave here, this ain't going to be religiousness. This ain't going to be traditional stuff, or not even because Ray said so, but because you want to follow God right. Who wants more trouble in your life? Put your hand up right now. I don't see any hands. If you want to be restored of what the enemy has taken away from you, then 2 Timothy tells us to study. It commands us. It doesn't say if you feel like it. It says study. That's a command. Do it. Study to show thyself approved. I want to be seen approved before God. When God looks at me, I want him to go, you know what? I approve of what he's doing. He's doing good. To do that, you got to read the word of God. You got to do it. Not just hear it. Not just read it. But you got to do it too. That's where it really gets rough. And teach it. And you don't have to be a pastor to teach the Word of God. You've got people that watch you, all of you. Nobody watches me. If you think, they watch you. You have an influence. You have a sphere of influence, a big bubble around you everywhere you walk. It it affects people. Even, Even if you're just walking through the airport and person X walks by you, you've never met them, you'll never see them again, how your countenance looks and how you maintain yourself, how you present your behavior can make all the difference in the world. It really can. You have influence because people are watching you. So give yourself to the study of God's word. Let him provide for you through that, through your obedience. And I'm telling you, it works. Ezra 7 11. This is a copy of the letter that King Artaxerxes gave Ezra the priest, the scribe, expert in the words of the commandments of the Lord and of his statutes to Israel. Okay, first off, before we read it, this is a big deal. The king of the Persian Empire it was, it was the biggest empire ever. It was bigger than even what the Babylonian Empire was that dragged the people away in the first place. This empire is even bigger than that. Thank 
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.